Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Born in 103 podcast. This one is quite the special episode of the podcast. We have, of course, myself and Eric, as always. I don't know if we'll ever, if, if we'll ever do an episode where there's not both of us here, but this time we have the one and the only Aaron Davis from the University of Georgia. What years did you play there? So I was there from 2013. My first day was like June 1st. I remember I, I graduated from uh, high school at like uh, May 28th, and then I was on campus at UGA June 1st. So I was there from June 2013 all the way to January 2018 when the national championship was my last uh, time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, you Everybody that's listening and watching might get this from the podcast, but Aaron's a pretty humble guy. But I just want to say, like, in case you don't know who Aaron Davis is, he's you. You walked on the UGA, right? Mm-hmm. And you you walked on. You redshirted. I went and watched the video. It was something that was produced by Georgia Sports or something like mm-hmm. that. And you started like almost every game you were available for. You started all of them, right? So one of the more remarkable walk-on careers in UGA history, I think, at least to me. And this dude right here, he's played in two of, I think, the most entertaining college football games I've ever seen. So, like, one being the Rose Bowl with Oklahoma where you won it overtime. And then mm-hmm. depending on who you ask, you should probably also be a national <laughs> champion. Because mm-hmm. it seemed to me that Tyler was on sides, but we're not going to talk hey. about that right now. <laughs> but, so, yeah, so I don't think there's a better person to sort of ask the questions and get the opinions on the state of I, I call it big time college sports, big time division one college sports right now, because you've literally experienced everything there is, right? You went from, you know, getting hurt in high school to not having the scholarship offers because of the injuries. Like coaches were interested, they found out you were hurt. And then next thing you know, they're rescinding offers or whatever it is. So you went from that mm-hmm. to literally the national championship game. So you've experienced like a lot of the spectrum there is for a college athlete. And um, we've had these conversations before, but we're going on record right now with the podcast. So I think it'll be a good one. I definitely agree. I mean, it was, it's was it been a wild ride for me. Um, very interesting story. Um, I don't know. Like you said, kind of a decorated uh, background, decorated accomplishments that I've had. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily brag on those or talk about those as much. I let other people kind of bring light to that but uh when i do see some disrespect out there i will step up to the plate at it yeah that's well that's good like you know you gotta you gotta know yourself right and you know it you don't have to say it because other people say it like literally just now i just told people but uh, it should be good eric do you um do you have any initial questions before we get into sort of the topics that we have regarding what i think is the scam of big time division one college sports no, I think we should just get right into it. All right, cool. So I want to say sort of what brought me to think about doing this episode, and it was the recent, you know, basketball Division One college championship, mm-hmm. or the whole tournament, right, both the men and the women's. And Eric, I don't know if you saw this, Aaron, you might have saw it, but the sort of the, the disparity between the women's weight room and the men's weight room mm-hmm. was really yeah. something that kind of, you know, I got me interested again. It. Yeah, if you, if you didn't, uh, basically what happened was the men's side of the national tournament, uh, they had like fully decked out weight room, like all the machines, all the weights necessary to really like get a D1 program in there and let them be able to do their work while, you know, away from from home and their facilities. But 
for the women, it was like literally a set of weights you could buy at Walmart for like $15. Um, and that was yeah. their weight room with like a yoga mat or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was completely ridiculous. So I was like, man, like the NCAA, once again, showing that they really don't care about yeah. the athletes, right? Like they care about the money side of yeah. it because they showed that with the disparity. So yeah, because that's got what, me all riled up again. That's what was going on when I saw that was obviously from a, from an economic standpoint, you see how much money the men's tournament brings in. And it's like, yeah, they want to make sure that they're taken care of. But on the same note, you can't like totally disregard the women's tournament to the point where you're, you're seeing what the men have and what the women have. And then that leads to all this backlash with like all the pros and all, even celebrities, celebrities, even regular people like us just like me like, yeah, this is messed up, dude. You know? Yeah, yeah. It was pretty bad. Like, I get why they wanted the the men to have, like, the big facility, but you can't, like, do that to the women like that. You can't do them that dirty like that. It's it's literally a Title IX violation. Yeah. Like, (laughs) it has to be equal. If it's not equal, then you got, Mm -hmm. you know, a problem on your hands. But, I mean, I'm happy that the the women's players sort of spoke out and said something about it. I mean, why wouldn't they? Like, there's nothing they could do with the weights they had. Um, Yeah. But yeah, that just sort of got me interested and wanted to talk about this a little bit more. Um, and for those that don't know, I actually wrote like a 100-page paper on this very topic. I wouldn't call myself not an expert, like knowledgeable on it, because I never played D1 college sports, but Aaron has. So Aaron has a lot of things to say. So we could supplement a lot of different, you know, where, where he has experience, I might not. Where I've like done the reading, he might not have because he's lived it. So it's not like, you know, he has to, but... Yeah, we're going to talk about it today. Yeah, I think you guys brought up some great points. Um, I mean, it, that, that had to be a violation. Um, and, you know, I am happy that the women uh, kind of spoke up for themselves for so long. I think in all levels of sports, it was a lot of, um, hey, these are how things are. Um, these are how things going to be. Um, you're just going to have to deal with it. And you know, now we're seeing a ton of different athletes saying, hey, this is not right. Uh, or I care about this issue, I'm going to bring light to it. And so um, they called them out and they checked them and the NCAA responded promptly, um, which they had no other choice, but it, it should have never gotten to that point. Um, you think about uh, all the different you yeah. know, ways that you know college sports brings in money. Um, it doesn't hurt at all for them to kind of spread that out, even if the women aren't making as much, as much money than the, the men's sports. But at the same time, I mean, I've seen some things in the past couple months uh, that have kind of shed some light on some of the disparities. Like, I believe it was Lexi Brown. Uh, she plays in the WNBA. She won the I Am Athlete podcast, and, you know, she had a great time talking about the fact that, um, you know, a lot of the opportunities that, you know, could be out there, they're just not given to the women in sports. And so um, if you look around, I mean, I saw maybe like a list of the top 10 or top 20 like uh, social media influencers uh, for the NCAA tournament. And it included a list of the men and the women. And like if if it was like 10, like seven out of the top 10 were women. So it's like I don't think that's a surprise when I look on like Instagram or Twitter or something like that. Most of the time women have like higher followers than men actually have. So it's like. You know, women are in a position to where they could capitalize um, on some of the influence they have on social media if they were given the chance. And so, you know, I would love to see for that to happen. I would love to see for other like 
big corporations and things like that get involved to where just, you know, give them a chance. I mean, corporations, they throw out money all, all the time for things that end up failing. Yeah. Like what's, what's, what's the, what's the big <laughs> problem of, of giving them chance for, for the women in their sports? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, the corporations have to get behind it. Like they've gotten behind all the, the men's basketball, college football, that sort of thing. Cause if you look at a program, like, well, there are a lot of women's programs now that are pretty notable. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, everybody knows UConn. Like, UConn basketball mm-hmm. is something most people want to see. But the people that would go and say, well, nobody wants to watch, like, women's basketball, which I don't think that's true, but... That's a lie. <laughs> I mean, if you if you really... If you if you love basketball, right, women's basketball is pretty... It's, it's pretty good. But, like, the UConns, the Stanfords, now the Arizonas, like, those programs, like, people want to see those programs. I watched the national championship. It was basketball. great. Yeah, it was good. And and that's not to say I watch all of men's, like all the men's tournament, because I only watch like the national championship game. But that's probably because like I have these feelings of like these guys, these girls, like the NCAA is ripping them off, right? I went back and I looked at the highlights of the Rose Bowl game against Oklahoma, and I'm like, do you see all this? Ta-? I texted Eric this. I said, do you see all this talent on the field that the NCAA is like getting for free pretty much? <laughs> it was like, Nick Chubb's on the field. Baker Mayfield's on the field. Sony Michelle's on the field. Uh, Thanks for bringing up all those it. brownies. Yeah, a <laughs> bunch of Browns on the field. Eric is a Eric is a Browns fan, so okay, okay. <laughs> so all these guys, all these people that you know are making all this money now. The NCAA said, you know what? Give us at least was it three years? You have to be a, a junior to declare for the draft. Give us at least mm-hmm. three years of your football career, regardless of if you get hurt or not. And you know we'll put you on a on a pedestal, right? But at the same time, you can't make any money. You, we have, we make all the money. We get all the sponsorships. You can't sign any autographs. You can't get money from any jerseys of yours, like with your number on it that sell that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like it just seems ridiculous to me. Like it just like sounds ridiculous. So yeah, I think they hide underneath the uh, amateur tag. Um, in all actuality, I mean the the jobs that the athletes are required to do are you know as close to professional as you can get i mean i i can't comprehend how you know if i'm a student who doesn't play a sport i can work you know like a side job and get money from that and there's no issue or you know i could work uh at the dining hall or something like that but or you know hey you know i with my professor or um anyone that's in this in the town that i go to college and, you know, hey, we can go out and enjoy a beer or, you know, grab dinner together and they can cover the tab. Mm-hmm. But if an athlete does that, all of a sudden, you know, I'm suspended for four games because somebody paid for me to get a $10 pizza. Like, I, I it, it doesn't make very much sense to me, but that's the system that uh, a lot of the athletes are trying to change right now. Yeah, it's just, it, it, I, I think I, I wrote something similar to that in my paper, right? Um, and Aaron, you had a big part in my IS too. So thank you again mm-hmm. for that. I know I told you before, but mm-hmm. you really informed a lot of it. So when you say like, you talked, you said a lot just now. So it's like piece of the part, right? The amateur thing. I, I, I full heartedly agree with you, right? If you, if you go to a, and this is my opinion, Eric, you might disagree. If you go to a big D1 school, so say like if it's basketball, right? If you go to Kentucky or Duke or name another like, 
big D1 basketball program. Kansas. Or for, Kansas, or for football, UGA, Alabama, um, out west, like Oregon. Like, those facilities are pretty much, like, professional facilities. Like, you have everything yeah. you could possibly need, including staff, like, people that are assigned just to take care of you as an athlete, right? And that's, like, something you see at the NFL level. And some... I don't know how true this is. I, I saw the LSU facility they recently finished, and it's like, I'm sure, like, I went, I saw the Cavs locker room. The LSU mm-hmm. locker room is better than the Cavs locker room. Mm-hmm. Just like, <laughs> just to tell you, just be straight up, it is. So it's one of those things where it's like, you tell them they're amateurs, or you're, you're supposed to be an amateur, right? And people have this conversation all the time, like, could the best Alabama team beat the Jags or something like that? I don't know how true that is. Probably not, because those are, those are grown men in the NFL, but it's something that we do. Like we have those conversations all the time where we're like, are they really amateurs? It seems like they do this for a job. Like it's their job. You know, it, it pays for your education. Like you want to do this for a living. Um, and you're doing it at such a high level where it's like, I don't know if you're an amateur, but then I wanted to ask you also, you kind of touched on it too, about like being afraid to break the NCAA's rules, like their bylaws, mm-hmm. like being constantly afraid. I think Eric Adam, Adam is one of our friends from, uh, from Worcester, he played on the football team. I think uh, didn't Adam say he couldn't? He technically couldn't do fantasy football or like yeah, whatever he couldn't, it is. He couldn't do anything for money. He couldn't because like, he was do fantasy NCAA football athlete. for money because he was an NCAA athlete. Yeah, That's he could do like, fantasy football. I think if it was free, but he told us not to tell anybody. <laughs> but <laughs> well, too late now. We're on the podcast about it. But it's oh, like, he's graduated. So a, I don't think it matters. Yeah, that, it doesn't matter now. But that's just a regular thing. Like somebody can't buy Aaron a pizza because he so happens to play football for Georgia. Like that doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like he's not going to Georgia based off a pizza. Mm. Like nobody told Aaron. Like <laughs> if you if you come to UGA, I will buy you a pizza every month. Like nobody said that, right? So it's just one of those things that, that don't make sense. But do you have any other like I don't know examples of people people on the team that were like you know just flat out afraid like didn't want to do anything because they didn't want to get suspended or something like that because i remember i was telling eric before we started like todd Gurley got in trouble for signing autographs or something mm-hmm. like that so is there any other examples of that that you can talk about yeah i mean i mean you you hit it hit the nail on the head of the coffin like it, it's it's i think it's almost every it's it's uniformly almost everybody i mean we go through so many compliance meetings to try to educate on us on what we can and can't do um, but even then, I mean, you sit through a meeting and they, they tell you different things and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to absorb everything, all the different laws and things like that in one hour or however long that we sit in those meetings. Um, and so you're out, um, and just certain things that you don't even think about. Like for me, the first time I was able to participate in the NCAA bracket challenge was when I graduated. Like you can't even fill out a bracket. And it's, it's literally one of the most fun things to do is to go on your ESPN account, yeah. fill out a bracket, you know, see how you match up versus everyone else in the world. And you can't even do that. You can't participate in fantasy sports. And it's not even specific to your sport either. So I can't do it for basketball. I can't do it for baseball. I can't do any of that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, it's just situations to where everyone is, you know, constantly, you know, watching our backs. Um, you know, if someone does us a favor, like sometimes you have to like actually turn. We I've been in situations where me and my roommate, you know, we've had to turn down uh, uh, an offer for someone to do something for us because we're like, you know, we don't know if this is a violation. If this gets back to us, um, 
you know, we could be suspended for two games, three games. And it's like, I don't even know what the, I don't even think there's like a minimum amount. Like there's not even say, Hey, you know, if you exceed a hundred dollars, $200, then you're subject to this. But anything under than that, you're fine. Like you, you can't even do it that way. Um, and so, you know, there's countless examples um, that, you know, pretty much almost every student athlete can, can, can look to and say, Hey, um, I'm not even going to go through with this. Or, you know, if I go through with this, I'm not telling anybody because <laughs> the slightest thing could, <laughs> could, could, could risk my entire season. But that's like, and, and it's, that's accurate. Right. But if you think about big corporations, right. So they have, I guess they have a policy or something in the, in the law that says you can give gifts like to other, like whether it be employees or somebody you're trying to court like a contract or something like that in the business world, but it can't exceed like $20 other than that. Mm -hmm. Like if it's higher than that, it's like against the law, but if it's lower than that, you're fine. There's nothing like that for NCAA. It could be like, I'm guessing it could be like a Snickers or something like that. Somebody buys you a Snickers. It's it's an issue. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, it it was, it was so bad. I remember my first couple of years, um, just the whole, decision of you know there was a decision on what is a snack so i don't know if you guys know about this but like I don't. you know my first couple years you know teams weren't even allowed to kind of provide you they could only provide you a certain amount of meals per 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 day and other things that they could provide you had to be what the ncaa you know denoted as a snack so like you know during the bowl games you know we would eat like you know, however many meals, but, you know, we're, I mean, these guys, we're burning thousands and thousands of calories based off practices and, you know, just high metabolism. So, you know, if you eat your last meal at six o'clock, um, it may be eight, nine o'clock where you're, you're hungry again. Um, so you're like living off, it was like Slim Jims, um, oh, like crackers, uh, maybe like some, like, I don't know, just they, they they called them permissibles. And so the permissibles were the only things you were allowed to get. Um, and then, you know, by the time I got to my last year, those things eventually changed due to like, you know, student athletes stepping up and say, hey, you know, a lot of these guys are hungry. Like, we, can we not do something about this? Um, but yeah, that was just the situation you were under. And so, um, like I said, you're always walking on a tightrope. Um, to be at risk of, of NCAA violations. But that's just the, it's not necessarily hypocritical, but it's like the insane part of it. So they say, they say you can't really do anything, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but play your sport and go to class, especially if you're like on a scholarship or something, right? Mm-hmm. You can't get a job because you don't have enough time. And I'm, we're going to talk about that too, like the life of a D1 college football player. But like you can't do much else because you got practice in the morning, you got practice in the in the afternoon, you got class in between that, you got to do homework, that sort of thing. So you can't get a job, but you also you like you can't get money from other people. I mean, who who was allowed to like give you money? Like family was that it, or not even then? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you had family, and then you had to have like, if it was a friend, like you're basically under the discretion or the arbitration of the NCAA for them to decide, is this person like a long-term friend for you? So like, if I knew somebody who was essentially almost like a family member for me, 
um, you would have to prove this person is like, you know, has been in your life since you were like three years old so that they could give, you know, so if they sent you some money or something like that, you weren't uh, under any trouble. But, you know, other than that, that's just how it was. Yeah. So it's and we can talk about, you know, we're going into two pieces here where it's kind of like the new name, image and likeness rules that Mm -hmm. they're trying, trying, quote unquote, to Mm -hmm. come up with. And then also like the life of a college football player. So like, let's do the nil rights first because I think that's that's really interesting. So in terms of, and I have my own thoughts about it. Eric, do you you know like kind of uh, where like the direction is going, right? Yeah. Nil rights. Okay. So the NCA. This was last year. So they announced this in the middle of me writing my paper. I went and talked to my advisors, and I was like. Oh, they're they gonna solve this problem like as soon as I'm you know almost done writing this paper. But that's beside the point. They announced that they were going to try to look at the bylaws in terms of instituting name, image, and likeness. Of, uh, what's the word? I guess like opportunities for student athletes to make money off off themselves. Mm-hmm. Basically, what any other student would be able to do. So, like me as a regular student, if I like you know got famous on TikTok or something. I could sell, you know, whatever, whatever it is, like merch and things like that. College yeah. athletes can't do that. So what it seems to me is that the reason why the NCAA has been delaying this so much is the fact that they're trying to figure out how to make it to where they still get something, right? Instead of just saying, like, you know, athletes, you can sell autographs, you can sell jerseys, like you can sell your Rose Bowl ring, your national championship ring, that sort of thing. You can do all that stuff but they're trying to figure out how they can cut themselves in and make it make mm-hmm. sense for them. So Aaron, how do you, how do you feel about, you know, you're no, you're no longer an athlete. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily apply to you now, but if you were there now or back then, and this was coming about, like, how would you want it to, to look, I guess is the question. I think first and foremost, um, I mean, I liked, I love the idea of kind of like a free market as far as for the student athletes, um, that'll really kind of get some perspective on certain players. Um, where I, I, I mean, I personally feel like, you know, a lot of these guys come in and do the social media and, you know, rivals and ESPN and 24 seven, giving these guys stars in sixth and seventh grade. Um, <laughs> you know, they might have some false senses on, you know, how important they are to the actual world compared to how much they value themselves. And so this will allow somebody to say, Hey, you know, I'm not Todd Gurley. I, I can't, if, when I do my autograph signing, you know, two, three people show up, but when Todd does his, you know, 10,000 people are, are outside. And so um, you'll get some of that, but I also love the ability for people to kind of, you know, build their own brands. Like, I mean, we, we talk about all the time, how, you know, you want an athlete, well, at, most athletes don't want to necessarily be defined by their sport or just simply defined by the school that they attend. They want their own identity. And so, you know, if I play on the football team, um, yeah, that's one side of me, but I could be, you know, really interested in computers and something like that. So if I want to start, yeah. you know, uh, uh, or if I, you know, look at how many people are doing like streaming on video games. Like if I grow my presence yeah. on Twitch and in my free time, I I can stay up and stream, you know, me playing video games. I can grow my own presence and I'm able to receive donations and gifts from people who just want to, you know, come and hang out with me. And, you know, that could be due to me having a great personality, which is absolutely 
you know, independent <laughs> of what I do on the football field. So, um, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think it's I think it's necessary. It's long overdue. Um, I think it's going to be a mess before it actually gets um, good. But it'll be it'll be good for the players to actually, you know, benefit from the fact that they're not simply attached to um, whatever school they are, even though, you know, going to a certain school can help build your own brand. So I'm, I'm I, I love that the players are going to you know be able to experience that. And it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Yeah. So one quick question. Do you still stream or are you like not streaming right now? You don't have the time. I mean, I to be honest, I have the time. I mean, I I play a lot of video games. I wouldn't, I I definitely wouldn't stream as long as you know some of these you know professional you, YouTubers do. Um, no but I just, <laughs> yeah, I I just I just kind of play with my friends. I don't really stream anymore. Yeah. So I think the and this is obviously not the point of this podcast, but there was I think the dude his name is Ludwig or something like that. Then he streamed for like twenty four straight days. Like on and off or something like that. Crazy. I think he broke Ninja's record. This no, nah, nope. I can't nah, do that. that. I get paid enough. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like one of those things where like if you if you were like on the football team and you just said, Let me leverage this and like go stream on Twitch or something like that, and I can probably get, you know, two hundred, three hundred people in here to come watch me play Warzone or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you did that and then the NCAA still said like no money will be given to you at all. You could have all those people in there and none of them could like donate. None of them could like subscribe, that sort of thing. That's just, it's ridiculous. Absolutely I agree. Ridiculous. And, and there are options for that. Like, I don't, I don't understand why you couldn't, you couldn't have some, something like this. If they were really that concerned about it, why couldn't you have something like to where the money sits in the escrow account and, you know, over the time, you know, I'm kind of building up my money. And then I've heard the idea like, hey, once you graduate, you can get your money. Um, And Mm -hmm. so it's like, you know, once I'm finished with school, you know, the brand I was able to build for myself, I can build on that instead of having to, you know, just now finally seeing proceeds when I finally decide to leave uh, college. I don't I don't see why that that wasn't proposed before or or couldn't have been enacted uh, before they started this. But hopefully we'll see something of the sort soon. So, Eric, and I'm sorry, I'm asking a bunch of questions because no, you're fine. It's, it's interesting. So, I want to talk about, and we're also, I'm still going to get to like the life of a college football player or a mm-hmm. D1 college football player because we know what a D3 college football player looks like. We've seen Adam before. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, like, college coaches, right? So, you were there with Kirby, right? Mm-hmm. So, would you say, and I, I've seen like, you know, plenty of examples of like, uh, say Coach Cal, right, Calipari, mm-hmm. where it seems like he really cares about his players. Mm-hmm. But in reality, and I'm asking you this, you haven't, obviously you didn't play college basketball under Coach Cal, but for your coaches, like people on the staff, like would you say that they care as much about your situation as they portray to the media? So like do they care about guys having to eat Slim Jims and noodles at 11 o'clock at night when they're hungry? Or is it kind of like, you know, I'm getting, I'm doing this because – I'm a D1 college coach and they pay me a lot of money to win national championships. Like how, how does it shake out? I think everyone's experience will probably be a little bit different. Um, even with, you know, people being on the same team, but I do feel like for me, you know, I had the pleasure to be underneath coach Rick and coach smart. 
Okay. I think, um, you know, coaches, when they recruit you, uh, they definitely are invested in you. So it's like um, both of them, they always wanted to do as much as they could to to help out, but they just know they can't break the rules. And so um, I think, you know, from my experience, I think what the coaches say, you know, is real. You do have to understand that, you know, obviously the coach is still attached to the program. And so, you know, ultimately his loyalties belong to the, 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 the university. And so, you know, he may say one thing and then not might not exactly be able to hold up, you know, how he planned. And so that kind of thing happens um, and things change over time. But I think, you know, in heart, coaches do kind of, uh, you know, want the best for their players. And because ultimately that's that's how you get the the good ones to actually come there. I mean, if you, you're making a whole bunch of promises and not able to keep them, um, you know, that word gets around and next thing you know, you know, your, your recruiting classes are going down or someone just decides to, uh, you know, go somewhere else just because they've heard of the reputation you have. So I, I don't think it benefits a coach ever to, you know, be firm in that, that type of mindset. But I do think for the most part, coaches mm-hmm. um, do do want to pour into the student athletes because ultimately, you know, you become somewhat of a, a of a family and, you know, those relationships um, hopefully you keep over for the rest of uh, uh, your lives. Like, you know, you know, I still have Coach Smart's number. You know, I could reach out to him, you know, whenever I, whenever I needed to. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, as busy he, as he is, he'd find a way to get back um, as soon as he could. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to hear because I don't want to be cynical about all of it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. where like literally everything is just against the student athlete, but that's, that's good to hear. So in, what about like, and I don't think you, you never experienced this, but like a situation where say you get recruited by a coach, and mm-hmm. you might have, like, talked to people that have gone through this. Like, you get recruited by a coach. You're there for, like, a year. Coach leaves, right? Like, he's got a job mm-hmm. somewhere else. Like, he pay, pays better money. So, like, there is sort of, like, a free agency in terms of the coach's, like, ability to go to different schools mm-hmm. and things like that and earn more money. But in terms of a college athlete, so say, like, you request a transfer, like, to be in the transfer window or however that works, right? People come at you. They're like, why, why is he leaving? Like, he's afraid of competition. Mm-hmm. You want to go somewhere else? Like, that sort of thing. I think the... People said that about uh, was it Fields? They, they said that about Fields, yeah. right? Yeah. They said that about Burrow, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of like they about the Jaylen coaches Hurts can do too. it. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts too. It's like the coaches can do it. They can leave when they want to be out. Like they're paying me more money. I'm sorry, I gotta go. But the athletes, like they decide to go somewhere. The public's like, you need to stay at UGA. You need to stay at Alabama. Like that sort of thing. How do you feel about like what it is like in terms of player free agency? or transfers for college as opposed to like what you think it should be? I think it's hypocritical. Um, you know, I, I understand the intuition behind it and I had the pleasure of being um, UGA's uh, SEC representative when it came to this. And so, you know, I've sat in on meetings uh, with, you know, two people from each uh, SEC school and we kind of talk over all these things with the commissioner, Greg Sankey, who, you know, I think he does a phenomenal job and, you know, he's kind of explaining, you know, some of the thought process. I, I think he says like, you know, graduation rate is a really big thing for him. And so, you know, players up and leaving, um, no matter if you're making straight A's or you're barely passing with C's, um, you know, you transferring is going to on average add, you know, at least a semester to you graduating. You know, ultimately he wants, you know, student athletes to be able to still graduate 
um, uh, from their from one, whichever university they 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 want to attend, and you know, being successful in the rest of life because we all know that small percentages of student athletes actually make it to the professional level, um, and then it's even harder to make it to that level and, and, and remain there. And so, you know, I think I understand that. Um, but I still see there's hypocritical element to it because, you know, I, I love Coach Tuck. Um, he was the D.C. when I was here, the defensive coordinator when I was here. He's my, my favorite coach that I've ever had in college. Um, but, you know, he, he came from Bama to Georgia to Colorado to Michigan State all within like two two years, three years. And so it's like, you know, coaches are able to say, hey, you know, this is a better opportunity for me. In my family, I want to jump ship, and there's no waiting period for them. There's no limit to that. These contracts, they just get bought out, and these coaches, you know, move on. And so uh, you do have a free agency almost uh, element to it when it comes to coaches. But for players, you know, all of a sudden I'm frowned upon for, you know, deciding that, you know, hey, you know, I'm from Georgia. Oregon really appealed to me. I want to go out to Oregon. But then I realized, you know, I'm, I'm kind of homesick and, um, I, I, mm-hmm. I want to move back home or maybe, you know, I've had situations, I've seen situations where, uh, I think the guy, he played tight end here at, at, at UGA and then he transferred to Illinois. Um, and then, you know, because of his, his sick grandfather and all of a sudden, you know, that, that waiver doesn't clear. So it's like, you know, who, who's deciding how these waivers get cleared, you know, who's to say for each person's situation. And so, uh, that's something that you know I don't think is is right, and you know I think just recently, two days ago, they kind of finally fixed that to say, hey, you're allowed one, um, one transfer, you know, free of charge. You don't have to wait, but after that, then there'll be a waiting <laughs> period. And so, um, I think that's a nice compromise for for someone who, you know, is ultimately trying to make a decision when you're 17, 18 years old. Uh, a decision that's going to affect the next yeah. four years of your life that will eventually set up the rest of your life. And so making that decision, you know, someone can realize they made a mistake. Think about how many people sign on at a job and then within a year they realize I've made a mistake. I don't want to be here. You know, you could jump ship easy, but I think this just gets back to the point where they view the student athletes as an amateur, even though, I mean, every every part of the business is, you know, operated like it's on a professional level. And so, you know, those are discrepancies that need to be changed and slowly and surely they're actually being worked out. So that's, that's encouraging to see. Yeah. That, that, that's good to hear. I mean, it's like human issues, right? You mentioned that the guy whose grandfather was sick, so he decided he needed to go back, you know, to closer to where he was from mm-hmm. to be able to help out. And then the NCAA just said, no, like, sorry, you can't. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. It's just, it's ridiculous to me. It really is. Let me see. Um, oh, yeah. So in regards to, you mentioned a little bit about graduation rates. Mm. And in terms of your experience as a college football player at UGA, not many people can say that they played college football at UGA. So mm-hmm. in terms of going to class, you know, still being a human being, having a social life, that sort of thing, having to go to sometimes two practices a day, Mm. Um, that sort of thing. Would you say that it like significantly helped like prepare you for the real world or is it just like that's how it was at UGA? Um, my real life is not like that. Like I guess life after UGA is not like that, right? It's not as packed in. It's not as like unavailable. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think, um, you know, UGA, from what I've heard, you know, they add a little bit more structure to, to the student athletes than maybe some of the other schools. But I think I think it's, it's very beneficial to kind of learn that discipline because, um, you know, once you leave your respective sport and go, if you make it to the professional level, then, you know, it's going to be almost or nearly the same kind of, uh, you know, structure. But if, but if not, then, you know, you move on to the real world, get a, you know, a corporate job or, you know, start your own company or something like that. Uh, you kind of need that discipline. And so I think, mm-hmm. you know, almost anything I've seen in the real, in, in my other endeavors is like, it's almost a step down from what, you know, I've had to endure when I was playing college sports. And so I think that definitely prepares you. Um, it's going to be different. It's going to be new. Like for me, like the world was moving so much slower when I wasn't a college athlete. Like, you know, when I was a college athlete, I had my schedule was pretty much packed out and, you know, set every single day. And so, you know, I had somewhere Mm -hmm. to be, somewhere to go at all times of the day. And I had that structure in place and, 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 you know, I really didn't have to think about it. It's like, it's okay. I wake up at this time and, you know, I get back to my dorm at this time and, you know, that's it. But, you know, when you step out to the real world, it's like everything is, people don't move as fast. And so, um, you know, it's an adjustment, but I think it's the, the, the college athlete lifestyle as vigorous as it is, it prepares you for anything you want to do next besides like, you know, getting into like the military or something like that. Um, to where it's like, you know, you, you feel like you, you, you got it under control. So Eric, just like a little anecdote. So we met at, uh, at CBRE, right? He was working mm-hmm. there when I did my internship there. You were there for like a year, right? Or like half a year or something like that before I got there. Yeah. At the time I'd been there for about like, uh, yeah, but, but I have yeah. Cause I, I came in in April. So really just like three or four months or so. Oh yeah. 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 So shorter yeah. than that. I think I only seen this man late to work like one time, like literally I, I would get there some, well, towards the latter half, I'd get there at like seven thirty, seven forty five because mm-hmm. I need to leave early to beat the traffic because Atlanta traffic is terrible. Right. But I think I've only seen this man late, like once or twice, maybe not even that. So he's, he's speaking the truth about UGA discipline. I was about to compare it to like boot camp, but it's probably not that bad, but mm-hmm. still the point stands just so you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, your, your social life, though, for a college athlete, for a big-time D1 college athlete, you mentioned before you had to turn a lot of stuff down, like, you couldn't do mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, especially people, like, offered to pay because you didn't have any money because you couldn't work because you were a football player or whatever. Mm-hmm. We talked about that already. It's so infuriating. But at the same time, did you find that, like, well, this might be an obvious question to answer, but, like, people wanted that time with you because you were Aaron Davis on, on UJ's football team and you didn't like have that time. So like a lot of the college experience, I mean, me and Eric can, can speak to this cause we had a more traditional, well, not traditional, but like average college experience where like you go to class and then once you're done with class, like you're just kind of bumming it out for the rest of the day, mm-hmm. um, especially our senior year. Well, before COVID, but yeah, you didn't say. really have the time to, yeah, you didn't really have the time to do that. So, like, we'd get done with class, and it's like, you want to go get something to eat, or you want to go, like, you know, play some basketball, because we got all this free time. We don't have any homework. Go to Sheets, yeah. (laughs) Like, 
would you say that you had that or you, you didn't have that? I would say you almost have to schedule your social time as well. Um, you know, for, for most guys, the weekend would be the time where you could get, you know, a little bit more free time. So if you had like, if we had a game, you know, earlier on Saturday, you could kind of have the rest of the Saturday uh, uh, to you. And then, I mean, we still had obligations to do on Sunday. And so uh, you almost have to schedule your social time. Um, and, you know, when you are attached to, to a brand like UGA, mm-hmm. and especially when you, you're winning and you're having, you know, good games, you know, people do want that social interaction with you. And so, you know, guys do like to enjoy themselves and maybe go to the bars and stuff downtown. Um, and so you do that for the for the duration that you can, you know, kind of endure. And, you know, from there, it's like, I need some sleep. Uh, at least that's how <laughs> I felt. Um, you know, I you could only get so much of that. And I think, you know, towards the latter part of my time at UGA, um, I cut out a lot of that to where I was like, you know, I just need rest. I like to chill, you know, in my apartment or whatnot. Um, but but to your point, yeah, you know, people do want that interaction and, you know, you know, certain guys feed off of that. Other guys is, you know, exhausting to them. So I think it's gonna yeah. depend on each person. Um, but you know, social your social life um is definitely gonna suffer. Um, if you have a significant other, you know, you know, even you know, interactions with your parents, you know, you know, I can't tell you the amount of times that I'm in practice. So in the middle of practice, you know, and then I finally get back to the locker room and I have like three missed calls from my mom. Like, mom, you know, I'm at practice (laughs) from three 30 all the way to like six, seven o'clock. Like, why are you calling me? And so, you know, those kind of things, (laughs) um, people around you have to get adjusted to as well. Uh, because you just, you know, you're just so busy. So that's something that, you know, you just got to work around. Yeah, your mom's gonna mom though. She's gonna call you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Whatever she wants to. (laughs) Yeah. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Exactly. (laughs) Eric, how do you feel about? um, So we talked about the Neil rights, right? So do you think college sports? And this is a question for Eric because I'm gonna see how he feels about this because I I think I know what Aaron feels about it. So like in terms of pay for play, right? So I guess a good example of this would be in. Let me know if you're not if you're not familiar, but like DeAndre Ayton, right? When he was at Arizona, yeah, they they gave or mm-hmm. allegedly they said that um, money was going from the program to like either him or his mom or something like that. And this is a similar mm-hmm. case with James yeah. White. Well, not similar with James Wiseman because it was like some ridiculous that he got in trouble for it. He shouldn't have gotten in trouble for it. But like with DeAndre Ayton, it was like forty thousand dollars or something like that to come play at Arizona allegedly. So like. Yeah. Do you think that that would significantly hurt college sports if they went like full, I don't know, full pro sports? It wouldn't even be pro sports because they're not getting millions of dollars. But do you think that would be bad or do you think it'd just be like, you know, not so bad? See, I don't know because I don't know who it's it's hurting. Like, if anything, it's hurting the smaller programs who can't afford to bring in like a bunch of people. So like the big programs have all the funding and all the money. They could go out and give um, $30,000, $20,000 to all the like, the big name prospects, right? And then get them to go to their school. It doesn't, I don't think it hurts the NCAA, maybe in terms of just how stacked the the teams are, which they already are pretty stacked as it is because everyone wants to play for the bowl and the bowl games. But 
See, I don't know though. I don't I think I don't think it hurts. I think there's other ways they can go about like paying the athletes, like you said, like paying them for like their their name, like their image and likeness, like paying them that way, whether it's through like social media, autographs, their own jerseys, and like with the new NCAA video game coming back if they incorporate the actual players into the game and then give some compensation to the athletes who are in the game. There are ways they can go about it where and then a lot of it, like the NCAA isn't losing. They're just trying to be greedy and get something out of it. You know, like they're not losing anything if yeah. the player decides to sell his autograph. Like they're not losing anything because they don't sell autographs as it is. You know, so it's like the NCAA is just like, you know, <laughs> you're not allowed to make money because we want to make the money. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. Aaron, how, how do you feel about the new NCAA game supposed to be coming out for football after they like killed it? What was that like? Seven it years tw- ago, it was like, like in twenty fourteen. Hold on, I'm looking it up. The last one, I think it was what's his name from Michigan on the cover, right? Denar Robinson. Yeah, it was Denar. Denar Robinson was the last NCAA game. Yeah, I mean, from from me, I I love playing NCAA. Uh, Reggie Bush is my favorite college football player of all time. Um, I can't tell you how many games I love playing with them, but I I. Over the years, I've, I'm not going to say I've developed a disdain, but, um, you know, when the NCAA came out with their settlement for, you know, including college players into uh, uh, NCAA and all these different types of things, um, it was very fluky of the process of deciding who got included and who mm-hmm. didn't. And, you know, at the time, I was like a three-year starter, and somehow my yeah. name got left off the settlement list. And so... Um, what? you know, I'm in the middle of playing a season, so it's like I'm not necessarily keeping up with this, and I don't remember any emails they sent, like maybe like one, you know, snail mail letter to an address, and for some reason, you know, I wasn't on there, and I was supposed to like apply to say why I should be on there, which was absolutely crazy. And so when they actually started giving out settlement checks. You know, I was left out the hat. So I'm like, you know, what's going on with this? And so, (laughs) which is crazy because, like, I used to have people send me clips all the time to say, look, I just got an interception (laughs) with Aaron on NCAA. And it's like, there are YouTube videos that you can still look up today with me there. And so um, I didn't understand that. So I tried to get the process resolved. And, you know, they weren't really doing it. So NCAA, if you're listening out there, you know, I'd say I don't appreciate the way um you handle that situation <laughs> and you know i may have uh, a few different choice words for you if we uh were talking yeah let's get mark emmert on here we need to get him on here right now to say look what you did no but that that's crazy though like i couldn't imagine like you know you're like you said you're in the you're in the middle of a season so you don't really have the time to like kind of keep up with this because that's like a full-blown process like mm-hmm. you said you have to apply for it right and you you don't have the time but then you look up and you see, oh, like, what's his name is doing a, a, a what's it called? I think it was a dynasty, right? Or something like that where mm-hmm. you can, like, do whatever. And there I am. I'm, like, you know, in the Heisman conversation or something on his game. And I, I ain't getting mm-hmm. no money for that. But, you know. Whatever. Nothing. <laughs> Not, nothing at all. Nothing and I'm like, all. you know, we we can fix this. You know, it's what's, what's an extra, however, it was, like, maybe, yeah, I, get, I think they range from, like, 3000 and 5000 something like that. Whatever, what's what's an extra check like that to y'all when y'all have, like, literally billions and billions of dollars yeah. for, honestly, something that should be a, a mistake, 
um, yeah. for the fact that there's there's no way you could talk about you know somebody like me who you know I've started for the university that has the biggest brand. It's like second, maybe second to like Texas, the biggest brand, second biggest brand in the entire nation. And you're telling me my name got left off the list. Like, how was that even possible? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's kind of like, at least to me leaving, I don't know, throw, throw like, I don't know, somebody that was on, I, well, I'll, I'll say Oklahoma player. Cause I was just watching that game. So like Marquise Brown, Right. So he's not he's not Baker, right? Like everybody no. knows who Baker is. If you're playing Oklahoma mm-hmm. with you know Baker on the team, like Baker's the quarterback, you know who that is if you mm-hmm. see his number on there. But like Marquise Brown is still pretty well known. I'm sure the UGA fans they knew who you were in the mm-hmm. game, but at the same time, like because you didn't apply, like you you didn't you know maybe it's one of those things where you need like a a players association. So like with the 2K and like Madden games, like they didn't mm-hmm. have a players association. So, like, they've already had those agreements. And I think, mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably something in the works, like college athletes trying to work this out. But, like, there's some, there's agreements already in stone that say, you know, these players will appear in 2K or they'll appear in Madden and they'll cut a check. You know, it, it'll automatically, you don't have to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. College athletes, though, who already don't have enough time, like, you mean to tell me you have to apply to be compensated for being in the game? That's ridiculous. Well, that's that that's that's not even the case because if that would have happened, like you know, when I first walked in as a freshman, um, when they do make you sign like a thousand different documents, oh, yeah. um, you know, I would have been included. But for some reason, they came up with this list. I don't know how they come up with a list, but they came up with a list. And then, if you were not included on the list, then you had to basically appeal to say why you should be on the list, and so. Um, oh, okay, that's the situation okay. I was underneath and I, I'm like, one, how did I get off the list? And then where were the notifications <laughs> so that I could actually appeal to be on the list? And so I don't know. Yeah. So let's, uh, and you mentioned this in our, our little message that we had. So you wanted to talk about player evaluations, right? Mm-hmm. So like, does this have to pertain to like the coaching staff or somebody with the program evaluating how you're doing as far as like whether it be a student or, you know, on the field, and then they decide, you know, can you keep your scholarship? Like, how does that process go? Uh, well, I was mainly talking about, like, the NFL and their evaluations oh, okay, of okay. athletes um, uh, uh, going to the next level. But, um, you know, when you talk about player evaluations on the collegiate level, um, you know, everyone should know. I mean, there are some politics involved to where, you know, if, if a coach um, spends all this time recruiting a player that uh, that they felt was really good coming out of high school, you know, those guys are going to get their opportunities and their chances mm-hmm. uh, to kind of show what they, they can do. And, you know, they'll have a, a longer leash than somebody else. Um, but that's as a, as a player like myself, when I was a walk-on, you know, I'm aware of that. And so I know I can't make as many mistakes as somebody else can. And in order for me to actually, you know, play and contribute to this team, uh, I'm going to have to be, you know, at, at the tip top of my game on a lot more uh, consistent basis than this player will have to be. And, you know, and I was fine with that and I knew that. And, you know, that honestly motivated me. So I think, you know, regardless of what, you know, how many stars you came in having, like, you know, coaches are going to play the best players. Uh, but yeah. you know, you have to understand that you have to prove that you're the best player. And so that's something that, um, guys have to be aware of so that they don't feel, 
you know, after a year or, you know, six months or so, they feel like they're getting screwed over. But, you know, you knew your circumstances. So, you know, you got to you just got to grind it out and do what you need to to, to to get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you if you want to talk about the NFL evaluations, we can do that, too, because I'm interested to hear how that goes. So for those that don't know, you were on two practice squads, right? Or just one? Mm-hmm. Well, it was it was I it, I I never really made it to a practice squad, so okay, I was okay. I signed with the Giants um, as a, a undrafted uh, a free agent, um, which I mean the interesting draft stories that that happen. You know, like I said, people tell you certain things and then uh, they don't come to fruition, but that's that's fine. Um, and so you know, I signed with the Giants, and then I, I got injured, and so I signed an injury waiver, and then I was able to get on. Uh, the Tampa Bay uh, uh, Buccaneers, their uh, team, uh, their preseason team. So you, you have a little bit more players in the preseason than you do on that in that regular season. But you know, I was still hurt when I was on there, and so they ended up cutting mm-hmm. me like like in two days, which was crazy. Like I was there for all of a weekend, um, but that was fine. And so uh, you know, just the thing, the thing I just kind of wanted to talk about is the fact that it's like you know. I think there's a lot of discrepancy about, you know, where a player goes, where a player should go. I think we're seeing it a lot when it comes to Justin Fields this year. When you think about someone like Justin Fields, you know, the whole time, his first, you know, two, three years, you know, they're talking about him versus Trevor Lawrence, who's the best quarterback in the country. And then all of a sudden now, you know, yeah. all of a sudden four, four, like four other QBs have leapfrogged this, this man. You know, and they, they and we had shortened seasons, and you know, I, and I, yeah. I can't comprehend it. So it's like you know, these NFL teams, where do they get their information from? And then you know, how much is this information weighted on some of these? I'm not gonna call them pundits, but like some of these people out there who put out these mock drafts <laughs> and these these boards and things Bill like Kuyper. that. And, <laughs> he's a big one but it's like you know you, you get these these i mean these guys are shooting at you know five ten percent clips on you know just i mean they can't you put you ask them who's going to be the top 10 picks and you know they may get the first or two right if they're like you know these guys yeah. are bona fide superstars but it's like other than that they they, they don't know and like person they yeah, think they is really first know. round yeah. goes third round a person they think is fourth round goes second round so it's like you know these player evaluations are 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 almost ridiculous at this point um and then we just need more information for the actual student athletes uh cuz i do feel like especially at georgia there are a ton of you know guys that i see that if given the right opportunity they would have been you know you know great contributors to a team but for some reason uh there's information out there that is very conflicting like i know for me uh, when I showed up to my pro day, I ran four four, which is like a really good time for mm-hmm. for my position. And you know, I was confident I was going to run that. I'd been running that since I was at college. And then when I went do my pre draft training, I ran the same thing. I ran it twice, and so I was confident I was going to run that again. Um, but but when I talked to these scouts and different people after my pro day, they're like, "Oh, we didn't we didn't think you would run that." Like. You know, the Jets told me like, oh, you know, we thought you were going to run like four or six. And I'm like, four or six. Like, like, who who are you getting this information from? Like, like it, it just it didn't make sense to me. Like, I've been running four four since I was, you know, you no, know, 
uh, freshman or you know sophomore in college like and these are like on laser times and so uh i think you know student athletes do need better voices out there so you know teams can get accurate information yeah. and ultimately that'll lead to better draft positions and i'm biased so i specifically want all my georgia guys to go as high as they can and so um you know i think specifically georgia probably needs some of that in their program it, it seems to me like um based on that you know on your experience they're getting all their information from Schefter, from like mortensen <laughs> who else uh, I, I, the I other guy's like name that's not mel kuyper Todd McShay, yeah. McShay, yeah, McShay, yeah. yeah. You said you like Schefter? Yeah, I actually like Schefter. I think he does a really good job more of, like, the reporting than than, than some yeah, of the yeah. analysis that some of these other guys get. But I'm like, you know, some of y'all, y'all did play. And, you know, being a great player is not necessarily the, you know, the measuring stick of how good you are at evaluating talent because, mm-hmm. you know, depending on who you ask, Michael Jordan is like the greatest basketball player ever, but you know, his, his draft picks haven't been the best. Um, and so it's like, <laughs> just because you're really good at playing doesn't mean you're that good at evaluating talent. But, you know, for he some of these people, good. I'm like, you know, who, who, you know, who, like who, in the words of Tony Allen, like who stamped you, like who, who decided that you <laughs> were the person to be able to decipher it, between these people and like, what are your credit, you know, credentials. And so I question a lot of that and, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see, but I hope players, uh, specifically on Georgia get, get more of the benefit of that than, than the loss that I've seen we've been getting recently. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, of Jordan and the Hornets, I I really do think that if LaMelo did not fall to them, they would have made a horrible mistake. Oh yeah. Somebody (laughs) like really bad, (laughs) like awful. Because Lamelo, he, he's a beast, and me and Eric have been saying that like mm-hmm. he's he's Lonzo, but like two inches taller, shoots mm-hmm. better. I think I I'm, a, I'm a Lonzo guy, yeah. But that's beside mm-hmm. the point. <laughs> yeah, but um, like he bought the one clip where Lonzo actually shot a three. Lonzo shoots now. You need to stop disrespecting. He does. Him. He's like but he's got to he, shoot more than just a three. Yeah, I mean, no, he had one game where um, I think he went like five for eight or something like that, mm-hmm. like legit. He's a shooter now. That's why he's uh, getting looks at free agency. You need to stop disrespecting my boy, for real, for real. Is he going to come back to the Lakers? No. I think um, <laughs> if he doesn't stay with New Orleans, I think the Bulls are, the Bulls are looking at him because they're trying to put a team together, apparently. Um, the Hornets going to take him. I hope not. Oh, and, not and then they're going to bring in LiAngelo? <laughs> <laughs> Please, God, no. And they're going to hire mean, uh, LeVar as the head coach? <laughs> Jordan would never do that. If he does that, all of it would be erased. Like he's just worst team at that point. He would be he'd be worse than Phil Jackson as an executive (laughs) at that point, and he's pretty bad. Yeah, Phil Jackson. (laughs) He was really bad. But I think, um, in terms of you know the 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 voice that the college athlete like they what they need in terms of the step to the next level. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously not. You like you said, not everybody has a chance to be able to get to that level, but for the ones that do, um, if you know you're running a four four and that's really important for draft stock, apparently, like you know the scouts and people in the teams go wild for for speed and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like your your numbers really count. If those numbers are getting misconstrued or scouts come in with like a preconceived notion of what you can do based off what they heard from somebody else or what Mel Kiper said on ESPN, that's ridiculous. So like the the I think the schools probably the onus is on them to sort of say. 
let's bring somebody in. I don't know if they might have this, um, but let's bring somebody in that could like be that representative for our players mm-hmm. that have those pro days or something like that, where the correct information does get out, like a designated person that takes down all the numbers. They they'll tweet it, they'll share it with the teams, that sort of thing. Um, that probably would be an answer to to that that situation. I think. I agree, and then you know, I think harnessing the power of social media. Uh, self-promotion has become one of the biggest things, uh, especially like shout out to my guy, Eric Stokes. Like he went down to, you know, House of Athlete with Brandon Marshall's facility. Um, and he ran like four two five for his 40. And, you know, that was before his pro day. And then I think he ran four two five again or like four two eight something like that again on his pro day. So it's like, you know, if I would have been more aware and more ahead of the curve of understanding how powerful it is social media, you know, I could have been in a situation to where when I was doing my pre-draft stuff and I ran 4-4 twice, you know, drop that. Because I have those videos in my phone. Like, drop that video, you know, post the time, you know. And those are things that, you know, teams do pay attention to because any team that's thinking about drafting a player, they're going to they're gonna vet your, your social media accounts. They're going to make sure you don't have anything too wild on there. And But if they, you know, they do see that kind of stuff, they're like, hey, you know, hey, you know, let's let's take a, a closer look at that and then, you know, run that time again on pro day. Like, oh, this confirms it instead of saying, oh, this is a shock. And, you know, just those different things, those are the difference makers between somebody going undrafted and getting to the fifth round. You know, we've seen guys yeah. shoot up. Yeah. To where, you know, they were fifth round talents or something like that. They go to the NFL combine and they run a, you know, a four three and all of a sudden they're a second, third round pick. So it's like um, those kind of things can be difference makers, not just in whether you get drafted or not, but ultimately that's how much, you know, money you get paid. Like a second round draft pick is gonna get paid yeah, a lot yeah. more than a than a six round draft pick. And so, you know, and then that extends to even more where I was talking about how like, you know, someone who's drafted in the second round it's going to have a longer leash than somebody who is, you know, undrafted. Like you're going to get more opportunities to, to fail. Yeah. You're going to get more opportunities to kind of show what you can do. And so, um, you know, those are the difference makers between, you know, somebody staying in the league, you know, extra three, four years, getting that second contract as opposed to being out uh, mm-hmm. before you get vested. Yeah. So I, we haven't talked about sports in a long time, Aaron. So I want to hear your opinions on some of these things. So I'm really looking forward to the draft. I think, I think Eric is too. Um, let's get this some of your hot takes. <laughs> who is who? Who deserves to go first, in your opinion, in the draft this year? I think, think Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence earned that. I think you know, based off his play, uh, playing on the national level, um, you know, he's been in the the, the, the final four every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the year that uh, Clemson had, I think Kelly Bryant, um, mm-hmm. you know, considering you know what 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 could they have done if Trevor Lawrence was there, and so um, I think he's earned the right to be the number one quarterback. So, yeah. do you think you don't think that the recent like surfaced comments or whatever about him not having a chip on his shoulder, do you do you have no like pause for concern about that? Is it all, it's all good for you or what? How do you feel about what people are saying about him not saying he has a chip on his shoulder? No, I think it's BS. I think people <laughs> I think people try to like fit guys into a specific mold and say, hey, this is what I want. This is what I need. But you got to understand that guys have different personalities. And so, you know, yeah. he's just coming from positions where he says like 
he doesn't have the mindset that, hey, everyone's gunning for me. You know, maybe his family circumstances were very different, so he doesn't think like that. But that doesn't that doesn't try to say that he's not competitive. When you watch his play on the field, there's no way you can say yeah, he's yeah. not competitive. And so that's that's what's going to matter the most rather than, you know, what he thinks everyone else uh, is trying to uh, do to him. So, yeah. and then I, I think Eric agree. I think we all agree Trevor Lawrence is going first. But yeah. in terms of what the – Eric Aaron is a Falcons fan for context. I mean, what I figured – What should the Falcons do? Used, oh, used, used to be. To he's be. done. Used to he's be. done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still, out of here. I'm still there. <laughs> okay. I'm still there. But what do you think they should do with the fourth pick? Because I've seen a lot of different, like, I mean, one, two, and three are pretty, you know, not set in stone, but people have a pretty good idea, at least on social media, what they're going to do with those picks. The Falcons are, like, all over the place. Like, they say they're going to trade it. Yeah, trade so down they just come and, out and, saying that they're interested in trading it. Like, Yeah, but, I mean, should they, though? That's the question. Should they trade it? Should they take a quarterback? Should they oh, take no. some defense? Do they ride with Matt Ryan? Do they go away from Matt Ryan? Like, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Like, it's it's interesting. I mean, you're right. You have Matt Ryan under contract for what two more years, right? I think. And, yeah. and his dead cap hit is insane. Like, you're if I'm the Falcons, I'm not taking a quarterback because you're going to end up paying him first round quarterback money, and you're never going to use him because you still have Matt Ryan on your books for two more years. Even if you get rid of him, you still have a dead cap hit that's like upwards of a hundred million dollars. It's crazy how much they have to pay him the next two years. So. The way I see it is I would try to move out of that spot unless you're taking like Kyle Pitts, like move out of that spot to like the the back half of the top 10 and then take a, a defensive back. That's what I would do. But Aaron, what would you do? I need some help because I'm like all over the place. I can't wait for the draft. But <laughs> Well, I, I want to take a step back first to say that um, if I was the GM, Thomas Dimitrov, you know, you did a great job for, for what you did do. But if I was the GM, um, for me personally, uh, I've been calling for the Falcons to kind of, you know, move on from Matt Ryan some years ago. I thought the year that, and oh my gosh, his name now, but the year that Deshaun Watson got drafted, I thought oh that God. the Falcons should have at that point kind of traded away Matt Ryan, convinced Julio that, you know, First year is going to be a growing pain, but by the second, third year, will be a Super Bowl contending team. And, you know, just imagine what the Falcons would have looked like, um, you know, two years ago if they, you know, last year if they had Deshaun Watson, um, who I think is, you know, is a step up above Matt Ryan. And so I, that's what I thought they should have did. They should have traded him away, got some more value for him and then drafted Deshaun Watson, but they didn't do it. Yeah. Then I said, you also have a chance <laughs> to do it again when Joey B came out. So I'm like, you know, you, you still got a chance to do it with Joey B, and they still didn't do it. But, I mean, like you said, that dead cap is crazy. And so it's like, you know, I think at this point, there's no way to either cut or trade him without suffering all that mm, money. Yeah. So um, if you think Kyle Pitts is generational, um, you could go with him just because I think he'd probably be the best player available. But, you know, for me, we've seen Matt Ryan with a ton of weapons around him. Yeah, and for yeah. some reason, they still haven't been able to get it done. Like, they've had prolific players around them and, you know, still not able to get it done. So, you know, I think with Eric saying, you know, 
trading back and getting, you know, solidifying your defense, I think that might get a little bit more value for you. Um, unless you just think that Kyle mm-hmm. Pitts is a generational talent, which, you know, he very well uh, might be. And so, um, you know, those are the decisions you have to make. Uh, but I, I would personally probably try to trade back, get a little bit more draft capital, or maybe get a, another, you know, playmaker with a draft mm-hmm. pick so that I can, you know, shear up the defensive side because I hear a lot of people complain about, you know, yeah. Matt Ryan needs a defense. That's why they're not winning. But it's like you load him up on offense, um, and in the regular season, he looks amazing. But in the postseason, you only score like 17 points yeah. on the on the Eagles versus Nick Foles. Like, come on. <laughs> He's upset. He's very upset. So two, two hot takes for me, and this is one regarding Burrow and then another regarding the Falcons. Well, one, the Falcons one's not really a hot take, but one, I think Joe Burrow, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is good, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Joe Burrow is like far and away the best college player I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah! Like in terms of like statistical, I mean, I mean, he set like every record, didn't he? Yeah, that's like with Reggie Bush. That's with like, I mean, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He said Reggie Bush was his favorite player, but I'm not saying I like Joe Burrow better than Reggie Bush. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying Joe Burrow like literally set the world on fire at LSU. That's all I'm saying. But what, what what made that so cool is because no one saw it coming, you know. Like if Trevor yeah. Lawrence was to do what he uh, Joe Burrow did, people would have expected it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still would have been praising him for setting all these records, but they wouldn't have been like with Joe Burrow. It was like, holy fuck, who the hell is this guy coming out of nowhere, <laughs> transfer from Ohio State to LSU, and the the year before he like was an okay quarterback, you know, with LSU, right? And, and now he's like the best quarterback in the country, setting all these fucking records. Crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Now he's in the Browns and then division. The one with the Falcons Great. is. Well, I mean, so actually, let me let me ask that. Aaron, are the Browns for real? They got clowning now. Be careful what you say, because Eric might get upset. But are they for real? No, I got my own opinions on this. So. Uh, <laughs> so, I think they were for real starting last year when they when they made the decision. Um. When they actually got it together last year, I think they became a for real team. Um, I think one of the best things they could have done was draft uh, Nick Chubb. I think uh, for me, you know, I don't. Sometimes I get look. Yeah, I, I sometimes <laughs> I get crucified for my takes, okay. and then they they come true, and then now you know I just sit back and chuckle because for me, you know, I played with Nick, um, and so I'm a little. A little biased, but I'm always going to keep it real. And, you know, I played with Nick for however many years, it was like three years, um, and I played against Saquon. Um, you know, granted, he was a freshman when I played against him. I was a sophomore. Um, and then I, you know, joined him in New York Giants for the brief time I had there. And it's like, to me, Nick was a better running back. And so I'm like, you know, for them to get Baker Mayfield – but still get, you know, Nick Chubb in the beginning of the second round. I think they 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 knocked it out of park yeah. with doing that. And that set they them stole up. That. Uh, yeah, that set them up a lot better than if they would have Saquon now and who knows who their quarterback would actually be. And so um, you know, I, I, I think the Browns are finally for real. I hope they don't prove me wrong because like a, a ton of us, yeah, you know, too. the Browns the Browns have 
the Browns have not been good since I can ever remember. <laughs> like Eric says, the Browns go to Browns. I hey, remember we don't say season. that anymore. <laughs> no, not not anymore, not anymore. I remember last season. I kept it would be like every other Sunday. I'd say the Browns are going to win this game, and he mm-hmm. Eric would be like, "No, nah, they're not." <laughs> and then it was the game against Tennessee. I was like, Eric, they're going to win this game. Tennessee was, mm-hmm. I mean, they were good the entire season. They were, but I think they were both good. teams were eight and three. Yeah. But I said, Eric, they're going to win this game. And he's like, no, they're not. I said, watch, they're going to win. And then they score like, what, 30-something first half points? Mm-hmm. or something like first that. half. I said, look, look, I'm telling you, like, the Browns, the Browns, I still think the Browns, probably outside of the Bills, had the best chance to beat the Chiefs and then Tampa, Tampa Bay won. But let's not talk about the Super Bowl because that, to me, doesn't count because they had, like, no line. Gross. But the Browns, like, really Brown gave Kansas City there. a game. They really did. No, I'm just kidding. The Browns shouldn't <laughs> yeah. have been in that game. The Browns shouldn't even – they shouldn't have even been – I mean, they should have been in that game, but they shouldn't have been that close. Like, they, they had no right to be that close. The Chiefs, were, I don't though. know what happened. Like, Patrick Holmes got hurt, but, like, they left so many points on, on the like on the field. Mm-hmm. They missed, like, two field goals, and they settled for a field goal at the end of the half instead of getting the touchdown, and they missed it. So and they missed an extra point. So they left like seven to ten points on the field. So yeah, the mm-hmm. Brown it, the score was closer than you know I think ever anyone thought <laughs> the game would indicate. You know, but <laughs> hey, it was still fun to watch. Yeah. Fair, fun. that's fair. Playing significant football, but I mean, yeah, I mean playoff football. Like who would have thought? And then oh, also I told him that they would beat Pittsburgh, and he was like, "No, they won't." And then look, uh, I didn't think they would. They, they beat I, I, didn't, I didn't even start watching the game until – so I got home late that night. I don't remember where I was, but Adam texted me, like, as the game started and said, yeah, GG's, you guys won. And I went, the game just started. What do you mean? And then, of course, I turned on, and, I, and when I turned on, it's a, we're up 14-0. to zero, and I was like, what the fuck happened? Mm. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pittsburgh was really bad. Like, yeah. That was awesome. Um, Aaron, what about basketball? So, have you been have you been keeping up with the the buyout and the National Buyout Association or no? <laughs> yeah, I mean to be honest, um, I probably watch a little bit more basketball than I do football. Like football, I'm always watching all the playoffs, but I probably watch overall basketball more. Um, but you know, I've been keeping up with it. You know, I'm I'm a Hawks fan, so you know we're four C right now. Uh, Nate McMillan has us rocking. So I'm interested to see where we'll go. Um, I'm obviously a realist, so we're not going to be Brooklyn. Nobody's going to be Brooklyn. But, um, you know, I'm a Hawks fan, and I've been I've been paying attention to kind of everything that's been going on in the NBA. Okay. So, I mean, you think nobody would be Brooklyn, right? And, I, I mean, I kind of think that, too. I think it depends on how healthy they are. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I also think it depends on if Kyrie wants to take his pay time off or not. That's another thing because he's like, I mean, he has legit reasons, but like every other week he's like, yeah, I'm not playing. <laughs> the thing Sorry. is, he doesn't need to play though. That's the thing, and they're still gonna win. But right. not if James Harden is hurt and Katie's also hurt. They kind well, of they're hurt, that yeah. Point. But but I mean, but like, oh, it's so hard though. In a seven game series, it's just I don't see any team beating yeah. them. Yeah, the Lakers are the only team that could beat them. I mean, I that's because they have the them. bigs. You think the Nets are going to beat the Lakers convincingly? Yeah, if they're healthy. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I don't think it's going to be close. Well, which is um, really sad because, like, I'm fine with there being big teams and stuff, 
you know, there's always going to be a big team, especially when you have like guys like LeBron James in the league. Everyone's going to want to team up to beat him. You saw last year there wasn't a, there wasn't a big team last year. There was a bunch of duos, and LeBron and and AD sort of like just w- wiped the floor with everybody. So, but like yeah. when you have a team that has three top ten players on it, it's just like fuck. This isn't even like fair anymore. <laughs> Not you could even, even argue top, top five. Top. Hall of Famers. I'd say top ten, yeah. Three Hall of Famers, three like bona fide Hall of Famers on the same team, and they have like like, not even just top ten. And their reserves are like potential Hall of Famers, you know. It's just like, (laughs) who? Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. That that was a hot take. Who's a potential Hall of Famer on the bench? Does Blake Griffin come off the bench, or does he start? Yes, but is he a Hall of Famer? Probably. Maybe no, no, I'd say no. there's like some things you've you've seen I've seen and it's like potential odds. I'm like that's the stupidest thing ever, you know. Potential mm-hmm. odds of making the Hall of Fame, but I was like, you look at Blake Griffin in in like Lob City and stuff. It's like that's pretty iconic, you know. Those like how long was he in the Clippers for? Like was he drafted in 2012? For a while, so like he's been in the league for like nine, ten years now. So like the, those the time there was pretty iconic, and they were always really good with him. You know, and it's it's kind of like the people making the same points for like um, like Julian Edelman. Like, is he Hall of Famer? Like, he's made some really good catches and plays in the playoffs, but nope. like, is he a Hall of Famer? Not really, but people make the claim that he'll he be in the Patriots be. Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, definitely, because he's made. He'll be in the Patriots Hall of Fame. Really, yeah, he he might not make the. Yeah, yeah. he might not make that. Listening to all these like reporters but, talk about I mean, Edelman in the Hall of Fame has made me laugh. Who said that though? Which were I think Ka- Colin Coward was saying that, like that element should be oh in the Hall god. of Fame. Oh my god! Um, I, I don't, I don't like, I don't like him anyway. He like, he hates the Browns, so I don't like him anyway. But and there was another guy, I forget who when, it was. Might have been someone on Pat. When Mack, Baker went on his show and like, yeah, yeah. When Baker went on Cowherd's show and was like, Dude, he that just was ripped funny. him a new one. I was like, thank you, Baker. Somebody, so somebody finally like, had to do it. He's like, yeah, he police report. You want to say, police video off my draft board. He's like, okay, you're not <laughs> drafting me, so it doesn't matter what you think. He's <laughs> gonna even know the story. I remember like, that. Yeah, too. you have a police video. You have a police video. You're off my draft board. And I was like, dude, shut up. Like a broken record. <laughs> yeah. And then after, no, yeah, the funniest thing. I used to. The funniest thing for me was after Baker's first year, um, and we lost to the the Ravens. We were already out of the playoffs, uh, the playoff contention here, but we lost to the Ravens because Baker threw a pick on the last play, and Colin Coward was like ripping Baker, and he was like, "Oh, you guys got blown out by the Ravens, and you suck, or whatever. You couldn't beat them and stuff." And I was like, "I think Baker had three touchdowns that game. I think it was a two point game." And we could have kicked a 58-yard field goal, but we had a rookie kicker who hasn't made anything past 48 yards all year. And I was like, he was just trying to get in the field goal range. Mm-hmm. The, the Ravens' defense is always really good. So it's like – but this is when they had, like, Matt Judon as well on that. Matt Judon and they had uh, Mosley on the team as line, at linebacker. So it's like they oh, sent, yeah. like, eight yeah. people on three straight plays against the Browns' O-line that was okay. <laughs> so, like, yeah, what do you, it's a rookie quarterback. What do you want him to do? Like, he threw a good ball to Jarvis Landry, like, the play prior, but he dropped it. It's like, there's nothing more you can ask him to do. And, I mean, the only reason it was picked is because it was tipped at the line. It's like, ah, that's whatever. I, that got me heated just because I was like, you don't even – you didn't watch yeah. the game. You just said we got blown out. We lost by two, you know? <laughs> it's like, ah. Cowherd just be saying – Cowherd so just says whatever he wants to say. So much. And it's kind of ridiculous. 
He said, yeah, I watched this I, thing yesterday. I, mean, and I, shouldn't I look have. at his stuff. Yeah, I look at his stuff just to like when I want to get upset, like I'll, I'll look at Kyle. Yeah. Well, yesterday, because Jadevion signed yesterday, right? It was Wednesday or two days ago. So I watched yeah, yeah. our it was video on that. Or, and he was like, yeah. the Browns are a Super Bowl team, and there's only two things that can stop them from being a Super Bowl team injuries, which that applies to everybody. And then Baker Mayfield, and I was like, oh, why? Oh why does it always come back to Baker? He's not bad. He's not He's not a top 10. He's like a fringe top 10, like 11 to 15. Like, I'll put him anywhere in that in that list, and I'll say that's fine. But, like, he's a good quarterback. And that, that's, that just says a lot about the league is a lot of the quarterbacks in the league are pretty good now, you know? A lot of the young yeah. guys coming in makes yeah. a significant difference. Like, you know, look at Herbert and Burrow. Like, even though Burrow only played, like, half the year, he did really well. Behind an awful O line, mm-hmm. he still did pretty well. Yeah, he's going to be a beast. Yeah, I'm not excited um, about that. Aaron, one more question for I. Um, oh, you, well, you're not excited, but I am. As a neutral, <laughs> as, as somebody that doesn't care about the, the division that you're in, I'm excited to see it. But f- to go back to basketball, so I know you're you're a Kobe guy, right? Mm-hmm. Can you explain? why you're a Kobe guy. Because so, sometimes, like, I tell people Kobe's my favorite player, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, the stats people will be like, why? Like, he has the most missed shots of, like, anybody ever. And then, like, the other players, or not players, the other people, the other critics would be like, well, I mean, he didn't pass the ball. Like, something like nonsense like that, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes I can't explain as much as I, or as good as I would want to, why I'm a Kobe guy. So maybe you mm-hmm. can do a better job. Can you explain? Yeah, uh, one Kobe's my favorite player. Um, it was uh, honestly interesting how he became my favorite player. Uh, I have a Tracy McGrady jersey that I used to wear in eighth grade, and it still can't fit me now. So that just lets you know how t- times have changed. But yeah, I used to see like Kobe and Tracy go, you know, at it back and forth, and you know, eventually I just developed, you know, uh, a fandom from Kobe as well. And um, especially when Tracy McGrady went out with injuries, I'm like, hey, you know, Kobe's my favorite player now. And so um, for me, I think the analytics are not on the side of somebody like Kobe. Um, But if you even though his analytics are still great, but they're just not as good when it comes to you compare them to like the very the only people that are in the you know conversation as being better than him, like the LeBron James uh, Magic Johnson. But for me. You know, I, I do consider, you know, from what I've seen, you know, Michael Jordan's probably the best player ever. You know, I would have Kobe two and LeBron number three. Um, and I think it's 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 because I mean you listen to the player testimonies. Um, I mean, Kobe's probably one of the most feared people to ever play the the game and you know, coming in the league, he was already like that. And so, uh, you know, he talks about the story where you know, someone's like, yo, you're guarding Michael Jordan tonight. Uh, don't look him in the eye. He was like, what? <laughs> like, tell him don't look me in the eye. And so I just love that about Kobe. Uh, but when you look at his game on the court, um, he could score on all three levels. He's like one of the most athletic guys we've ever seen. Um, it shouldn't even have to discuss how clutch he was with situations. Um, he was the ultimate team guy. And so it's like when people try to say, Oh, Kobe didn't pass the ball. Kobe didn't pass the ball. It's a lie. 
you can look up the stats. Kobe led his team in assists every year, but that's <laughs> that's just that's a product of the system they ran with the triangle system to where you're not going to have one person be ball dominant and distribute the final you know pass before a shot. And so um you look at his points per game, you know, his assists, his rebound, like Kobe was one of the few players I feel like um who didn't necessarily care about what the stats say. So like, yeah, he has the most missed shots, but um, you know, he's never going to be scared to take those shots. And I think that puts pressure on the other teams. So even if he's not make, it's the same thing like Steph Curry, when Steph Curry is having an off night, their team can still win because people are so scared of what he could do. So just, you know, though Kobe may not throw 10 assists a game, you know, other guys are getting wide open looks because Kobe draws so much attention. And so when you look at that, you look at, you know, how many points he was able to do, the, the feats he was able to do, you know, scoring 50 plus points, for like four games in a row, like 60 points, 62 points to three quarters, 81 points, you know, in a whole game. Like it's like his resume speaks for itself. And then you compound that on what players actually think about him and what players say about him. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't I don't see how you don't have Kobe in your top three or whatnot. Like, you know, I'm 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 you know, I've heard people say like, oh, LeBron. And it's like, you know, you can't you can't really make a huge argument against that because, you know, I think those are kind of interchangeable. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, there's only a very small names that you should, you know, even debate about when it comes to Kobe Bryant. Thank you, Aaron, because I want to say all that, but sometimes I can't articulate, especially when I'm debating with Eric and my uncle. I don't know. No, no, don't don't want me in there. Okay, 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 okay. My uncle, not Eric. Because Eric is reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. My uncle, he'll just be like... Yeah, I I think the same way as you, Aaron. It's like, Mm -hmm. they're interchangeable. You can think whatever you want to think, you know? It's just who you've been watching, really. You know, and I'm from from Ohio, so obviously Mm -hmm. grew up watching LeBron. I didn't really like him going to the Miami Heat, but he came back and won us a ring. So like that 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 that, that goes a long way for me and my my rankings of him. But okay. and there's like people who grew didn't, up like our, our parents and stuff who like watch Jordan, so they're like all like Michael Jordan's the greatest yeah. all time. And now you got the new generation coming up, and it's like they got LeBron and Kevin Durant and all those like the new guys mm-hmm. who are just taking the league mm-hmm. by storm. Kevin Durant can never be the greatest of all time. No, I don't think so either. No, <laughs> Kevin. Yeah. Okay. 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 It's just like I, was just I don't get. Point. I don't get KD. Like we we used to love KD. Do y'all were like remember when like when he was winning MVPs with OKC, like 2014. Yeah. Like we used to go to bat for KD, but now yeah. it's like I think I think going to the Warriors like really put him in a negative light. You know. Well, I didn't like that move. I hated that move so much. Because it just it ruined basketball for four years, for me at least. I, I just couldn't watch basketball anymore because it wasn't. Even, you already knew who was going to win, you know. And even like last year, you had a suspicion the Lakers would win it all, but like there was only two. It was just two of them, and then a bunch of like decent role players. It was two stars, a bunch decent of role players. Role players but yeah. that was a lot of teams had that. So it was a fun year. Yeah. This year was fun to start, and then when the Brooklyn Nets got like everybody and their mothers <laughs> on the team. It kind of did the same thing. It's kind of ruined it. Yeah. Um, 
I remember when they traded for James Harden, and, and we only have a little bit of time left, Aaron. I'm gonna take up all your time this afternoon. Mm-hmm. But um, when the Nets traded for James Harden, and I saw the haul that Houston got, I said there is no way that Houston's not gonna be like the best team in the league, most likely in like five years, maybe even four years. They got so many picks, like so what many about the like, Thunder's round picks. The Thunder, too. The Thunder are going to be crazy. Thunder has so many first-round picks. I, they came out with a thing, and I think it said over the next, like, three years, they have, like, 30 picks or something like that, or 20, high 20 mm. picks. It's crazy. And the half of it they got for Paul George. Who's <laughs> <laughs> good? And, and Russell good. Westbrook. They got, like, another two for Russell Westbrook. Yeah. And then they got another one for Danny uh, Green. They ship Danny Green and they yeah and Chris Paul. They ship everybody. They got a first rounder for Danny Green. Who the fuck would give it a first rounder for yeah. Danny Green? Yeah, that's the wild. only thing I'll say about that is at the end of the day, players get the job done. Yeah, um, and honestly, it's the established players. Like you look at the teams that won all the national. I mean, all the NBA championships. If you don't have a mm-hmm. top five player on your team, like you're you're not going to win it all, and so. You know, yeah. OKC, they do have all those picks, but obviously, you know, you're eventually you're going to have to spend those and trade those for, you know, yeah. maybe, a, yeah. a, you know, a superstar caliber type player. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see what they do with them. Yeah. Like maybe, te- they could, maybe they could get three of them. <laughs> I was a good <laughs> testament to that is the Celtics. Like, think about all the talent the Celtics have had. Then they have all mm-hmm. this draft capital, too. They've had all that draft mm-hmm. capital from uh, the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett trades to Brooklyn. And they didn't use it right. I mean, they drafted yeah. good players, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. But you think about what those picks they could have traded. They're, they're and gotten, only like, like five hundred. I know, but you think about the Celtics who, are actually like really bad. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. To is you think about if they would have traded those yeah, picks yeah. that would have gotten them that got them like Jalen Brown, or I wouldn't have probably traded the Jason Tatum pick. That was a pretty good pick. But like, if you trade one of those two of those picks for a superstar to put with Jason Tatum, you think they're probably in the top of the Eastern Conference or up there in the top of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, but they, they decided they, to hold on to their yeah. picks. They're um 30 they're 30 and 26 right now, but a lot of times they have like a real issue winning games. Like it comes down mm-hmm. to Jason Tatum being Jason Tatum mm-hmm. for them to win. Like they never blow yeah. people out or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They're struggling right now. Then the Cavs. But uh, Eric, do you have any other well, we're not going to talk about the Cavs right now. <laughs> they don't, don't deserve it. They don't deserve our time. <laughs> yeah. Eric, do you have any other questions for Aaron while we have him? Um, I don't like think I so. I think no, you're good. I think you did a good job. I think uh, I think people will find this pretty informative. Um, not, it's not every day people get to talk to somebody with you know the the, the college career that Aaron has had. So mm-hmm. hopefully, people get something out of this, and if they had a a prior opinion about the NCAA controlling the lives of college athletes, then hopefully after this, they don't. Um, so I guess that's, you know, the ultimate goal is to get people to talk about it and be more aware, I suppose. Aaron, do you have any last words? You want to plug your socials or anything like that? Your Twitch, anything? No, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't Twitch anymore. Um, you know, I get on socials, but I'm not huge on it. So I don't really plug that, but, uh yeah you know i i really enjoyed this um you know we cover a lot i think there's even more to uncover uh so you know if you guys are willing to i'd love to come back on uh the podcast a different time but no i i love what you guys are doing and i think there's you know a bunch of sports topics there's endless sports topics to talk about so 
um as long as you guys are killing it uh i, I love to hear it okay cool how about this so let's i'm gonna do another hot take well that's not a hot take it's just a, a what if if the lakers somehow beat the nets mm-hmm. if the nets are healthy and the lakers mm-hmm. beat them we need to have another goat podcast we had one already yeah we, we gotta bring your uncle back on too. we had a, yeah it'll be me and aaron we're gonna forget fred because fred's useless it'll be <laughs> it'll be me and aaron against you and my uncle who's i if lebron if they beat the nets when the nets are i already beat. well the thing is i'm fine doing that but like i'm your uncle's just gonna be the one talking i'm just gonna be like agreeing he's gonna he's gonna hear this and be like what are y'all talking about i don't talk the whole yeah. time Though. it's yeah, well it's like if he does win I, my opinions won't change you know it's not like yeah. well i also but i would still say it's it's still interchangeable like you know mm-hmm. it would just be another like uh more ammunition for the, the lebron supporters who are like yeah lebron's the best of all time yeah know? the 73 and 9 warriors and now he beat the brooklyn nets with kd harden and Kyrie, and like all those other players like mm-hmm. yeah it's just another piece to his like legacy yeah that, that's true, but we're, we're still going to do it, though. Yeah, that'll be funny. If you're willing to come back on, but yeah, we, we'd love to have you for that one because that would be a good one. Um, if you're willing, we'll we'll figure out the details. We'll schedule all that. Like, it's it's fine. I'll let Sounds you know. good. I will be here. Yeah. Well, then, that's great, then. This was a good one. Uh, Eric, you got the outro, so I'll let you yeah. do your magic. Okay. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you on, Aaron. Uh, give a lot of insight to the life of a college athlete, and especially like a, a big time college athlete. You know, like Division One football, it's pretty huge. And we're hoping that with the new like NCAA game and stuff, that the players can somehow get uh, paid to be in the game. I don't know what they would are thinking about doing for that, but hopefully they can come to terms so like people can enjoy that mm-hmm. game again, and the college athletes can can uh, make money off of their own brand in the near future. Um, I don't know what episode we're going to do next. Uh, maybe we'll do like a, a draft one, Malik, since that's coming up in the next two weeks. We could do a NFL draft yeah, episode. Yeah, I'm, I'd be good for that. We could do a draft special. But until then, uh, thank you for listening. Hope you have a great day and we'll catch you next time. Peace.